This episode was recorded at 5.30 p.m. Pacific on Sunday, August 21st, 2022. Things may have changed since then. You simply will not buy the world that the elders have given them. They see too much hypocrisy in it. They see too many things that is wrong with it. And I think that the elders are going to have to realize that they simply can no longer browbeat you into following its established path. Welcome back to Sunset Politics, and today I am here with Molly. <laughs> Sam is again not here, not here with us, um, because he's on a road trip going to college. I, I don't want to say where without him here, but um, I, I I think he's having a good time. I'm seeing some pictures that he's posting today. We're talking about uh, the FBI raid of Mar-a-Lago, Trump's private home. We're also going to talk about the Inflation Reduction Act the largest, one of the largest climate bills in, in all of history. And also, this happened a long time ago, but Pelosi's visit to Taiwan. Uh, so we're going to get started with the FBI raid of Mar-a-Lago, which has been, I've been reading a ton about it, following every little detail. Uh, and it's, it's exciting. So if you, if you've been living under a rock on Monday, the 8th, a couple of weeks ago, the FBI raided Mar-a-Lago, which is Trump's private home and club in somewhere in Florida. And they were looking for and found uh, classified documents from Trump's time as president. And they took those documents, um, sent them back to the National Archives. He had been told about them before. Uh, There were subpoenas issued to get the documents back. His lawyer testified that he was in compliance. And obviously he was not, seeing as the FBI found the documents. Uh, The... The search warrant has been made public, uh, so that's basically like a list of what the agents were looking for and what they found. And uh, the the affidavit, which is all the evidence they had that it was actually there, has not yet been released. They're, the judge is going to decide, I think, this Thursday um, whether or not he's going to release it, so we'll see. But, yeah, that's basically what's happened. I think that the whole Mar-a-Lago raid is both very like funny in some ways because i i personally didn't see that one coming but also i know story and i were talking about this before we got onto the call um the fbi bulletin has um reported that there have been an increasing amount of threats um about having a civil war in the u.s um as well as i think there was a threat as well i'm not sure exactly which fbi um building this was in which state but there was a threat as well of like a dirty bomb being placed outside um of the fbi um and so it's kind of scary because i don't think people realize how much power former president trump still has over the people that support him and how far those people are willing to go to ensure that like he's he basically can be above the law if he wants to yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. I think on the same day as the raid, there was a uh, uh, someone with ties to January sixth attacked a, a FBI office in Cincinnati. I believe it was a, it was around the same time. So yeah. And sorry, I want to add one more thing as well. Um, 
I kind of already mentioned this, but there was also a lot of calls by um, Trump Republicans to defund the FBI, which is quite humorous. And Marjorie Taylor Greene, um, who, if you don't know, is a representative from Georgia, she tweeted, like, defund the FBI. And it's quite funny because these are the same people who are tweeting defund the FBI who were like, Blue Lives Matter, we, we stand by our law officers. But then, like, we're also the same people on January 6th who were like attacking police officers. So a bit hypocritical, but just thought that was interesting to mention as well. Yeah, it's the the anti-FBI rhetoric has been it's been kind of on the rise for a while, but this like really tipped it over the edge. Um, there's so many like uh, conservatives that are saying if they'll come for a former president, they'll come for you, too. That's like, well, they've they've already come for for everyday people. The left has been talking about this for a long, long time. Um, yeah. Anything yeah, else? I think, yeah, I think it's a great thing that they're, that they're going after, uh, Trump for something like this. They went through a lot of, uh, a lot of procedures. Some, some, uh, reports have been made that these documents that were recovered were related to, um, nuclear weapons, which is a very serious thing. And I'm honestly kind of surprised that something that serious, the FBI would take as long as they did to wait and wait as long as they did to, to make the raid. Um, but yeah, there was like going back months, there were subpoenas, there were like other documents that he took that, um, he returned actually, but some that he didn't. Um, uh, yeah. So it's, it's just, it's crazy. You know, we don't actually know everything that the documents were. Um, we don't know like what he was doing with them. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's a serious, serious thing. Yes. And last thing I want to say personally is just to add some fun humor to this topic that is actually pretty serious. Um, if anybody knows who Michael Cohen is, he was on a podcast um, a few days ago, a few weeks ago. I'm honestly not sure when, but I think, well, had to be recent, obviously. And he was saying that he thinks that the mole who like told the FBI that um, former President Trump had these documents was actually his son-in-law, Jared Kushner. So a bit interesting because people are right now kind of debating over who was the mole. Um, but I just thought that was kind of funny to include that there are a large amount of people who believe it was Jared. So kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not sure if, if I buy it. Um, maybe we'll know. Maybe we never will. Who knows? Exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, any there, any last there, thoughts? Oh, there there's a lot more we have to discuss about this. There is. <laughs> We're not near oh. last thoughts. Oh my gosh! Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm um, excited. So the the search warrant that was made public is uh, it shows that the raid was made as part of an investigation into potential violations of um, a number of laws, including the Espionage Act, uh, which criminalizes the. Um, the retention of documents related to national security. Editing story here, just wanted to clarify, the three laws named on the warrant were uh, what's known as the Espionage Act, the illegal retention of national defense-related information. There was also one related to obstruction of justice and one related to illegal retention of documents generally. So there you go. Uh, and one of the penalties, if... Trump is convicted of that law is disqualification from holding any federal office in the future. So this could be serious stuff if um, if the Justice Department ends up charging Trump with uh, a violation of the Espionage Act, um, which it seems, you know, if if everything we know is true, 
is actually true. Um, it seems pretty cut and dry that he violated the Espionage Act by retaining these documents. Um, it's it's pretty close to like a, a strict liability crime. There's no which basically means that there's no you don't have to like intend to do wrong things with the documents. You just have to retain them illegally, um, knowing that it's illegal, basically. So <laughs> that's a that's a, a big thing. I mean, I just think it's, again, so ironic that the same people who say that the United States is the country of law and order think it's okay for President Trump to break the law and they want him to get away with it. And again, they're threatening the FBI. So I think that it's honestly like this type of news just really scares me more than anything. It'll be interesting to see like what would happen if they actually went through and charged President Trump. I imagine there would probably be a lot more violent responses than even we're seeing now. Um, and like, you know, it'll be interesting to see because, you know, they technically, they could just say, well, we got the documents. We're just going to let it be. Um, but they are, they did say, because uh, a bunch of news organizations argued to the judge to release the affidavit, which would have been all the evidence that they had. And the justice department said, we don't want that being released because it might jeopardize an ongoing investigation, which kind of implies that um, that it's not over yet. So we'll see if Trump himself gets charged or if it's just more AIDS um, hitting everyone around the, the box. But yeah. It'll be so interesting to see, yeah, like what ends up happening and what they end up doing with the evidence that they have. Um, I mean, it's a lot of it is just like, Again, it's scary because, I, I mean, I've heard a lot of people say as a joke, like, oh, like January 6th, part two was happening in 2024. But like, I mean, if they try to charge him, who knows like what his supporters are going to do? Because clearly to them, again, law and order doesn't exist. So it, I'm very curious to like continue to like hear about this and just hear what else, like what other evidence that they have. Yeah, Um but just an interesting question that I think we should both answer. Okay. Uh, if the Justice Department does have enough evidence, do you think they should charge Trump with uh, violation of the Espionage Act? Or like I think the other ones were like an obstruction thing, and there was there was some other law that that he may have violated. Um, so do you, do you think they should bring charges if they have enough evidence? I mean, personally, I'm not just saying this because I'm personally not a, a fan of President Trump. I believe I'm I'm a rule follower. And so to me, especially if it's like a constitutional thing, that they have evidence that proves that it's vi a violation of the Espionage Act, that's kind of a problem. So I really do think that if they have enough evidence, he should be charged because he's gotten away with so many things that he's done that are illegal and not okay. And that what kind of message does that send to the rest of the world as well? Because this man was our president, and even if he wasn't, if it, even if he was a regular person, that's, I just don't think it's okay, personally. But what do you think? Yeah, I I agree with you. I'm I think the rule of law uh, is incredibly important. The idea that that no one is above the law, that even the top people in our government can be charged for things that they do wrong. I'm you know I'm I'm a big believer in that idea. Uh, would it like cause some of the far right to become very violent probably um but i mean uh i i think you you still have to you you can't you can't negotiate with terrorists basically yeah, right absolutely you, you have to you have to stay strong to the rule of law not 
give in to the, the threats. Um, you know, if there's another January 6th, then, I mean, the first one, you know, didn't really succeed. Uh, I don't, I don't know if there's enough, enough people that are on the militant far right to, to really like win a civil war if they started one. And I don't even think it would get that far. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm absolutely in favor of, you know, if the justice department, you know, determines that they have enough evidence, I say bring charges. I mean, I think it's important as well to press the charges if they have the evidence, because it will also show us who has integrity because people like Representative Liz Cheney, who actually unfortunately just lost her primary, even if I disagree with their beliefs, I still have respect for Representative Cheney because she stood up against Trump when nobody else would and said he's in the wrong, he's not a good leader, and he should not be allowed to run again. And she even said after she lost her primary, or there's like rumors that she's considering a run in 2024 because she'll do anything in her power to prevent President Trump from ever having that kind of power ever again. And again, it's not even about what you believe. Like you can have different beliefs than other people and that's okay. But there's also, there needs to be a level of integrity and again, following the rules that are set for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, uh, I think Liz Cheney is a, is a great person. I imagine we disagree on quite a lot, but uh, I, I do respect that she stood up to Trump. And I, I think this comes back to something you said earlier, that Trump still has a lot of power over the Republican Party. And this can be seen in you know, Liz Cheney's primary, where she lost to a very staunch Trump supporter. Um, so, I, yeah. I, I 100% agree. And I mean, people can say whatever they want, but I really do believe that she really does not want him to be a representation of the Republican Party. Because again, she was willing to speak out against him to the point where she lost her primary, which to me, again, no matter how much I disagree with her viewpoints or whatnot, I still have respect for her at the end of the day for doing the right thing and doing what she thinks is, you know, the right thing to do. So I, I think that's, well, I think we're going to see a lot more of that as well within the primaries is people who have stood up against President Trump, you know, start to be maybe losing their primaries or maybe not be voted back in. But I think that the more people actually stand up for what's right, the better off we'll be as a country because the more we can put differing views aside and do the right thing, the better, again, the better off we're going to be because I find that the more I listen to people who vote very Republican talk, there is definitely a split between people who are like, I'd rather vote for a Democrat that actually does the right thing than a Trump's or yeah, a Trump backed Republican who's just going to do whatever Trump would want them to do. So I think that's really interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you think Liz Cheney is going to run for president? I honestly feel like she will, but unfortunately I feel like she's not going to make the nomination. I feel like honestly, if president Trump doesn't run again or isn't able to, I feel like it will be uh, Senator or Senator Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. I really think it will be just from like the support I've seen on different like social media apps um, and such. It seems like a lot of Trump Republicans really like Ron DeSantis. Um, but what do you think? Do you think that she has like a shot or that she'll run in, in uh, the first place? Yeah, I, I don't I don't think she does. I think she might if they if they end up if they end up holding a primary, I think she might step her toe in. Um I, I don't think if she did that she would win. Um, I, think, I think we're more likely to see her become like a, a 
like maybe going to like media or something. I, I don't think she'll stop talking about it, but I don't know if she'll run again or if she'll run for president. Um, I would love to see it though. Yes. <laughs> and I would, I, I kind of would like to see uh, her run as a third party, although I don't know if she would take more from Democrats or Republicans. I don't know who would vote for her. More, I know. I would be curious as well because something else I saw today that I feel like is worth mentioning because we're kind of in the conversation of like, the presidential race in 2024 is I guess there's like a really big percentage of California Democrats that do not want President Biden to run again and would like um, their governor Newsom to run instead in his place. Um, And that it sounds like a lot of those people are really fed up with the Democratic Party as of now and would vote for a third party candidate over President Biden or whoever the Republican nominee ends up being. So I thought that was really interesting as well. Yeah, that that would be interesting. Um, I, I kind of doubt it. I think I think they would probably vote for Biden if he ran again. Um, but maybe. We'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, if anybody's interested in doing more research, you could probably just Google, like, California Democrats 2024, and I'm sure some different, like, websites will pop up. But I was just reading a little bit about it earlier and, again, just hadn't heard of it, so I thought it was interesting. All right. Uh, any final thoughts before we go on? I think we should hold Trump accountable. <laughs> That's my final thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll agree. And then, so why don't you introduce our next topic? All right, everybody. So our next topic is the Inflation Reduction Act. And I'm going to go over some facts, but do not worry. We'll take some pauses for Story and I to talk about kind of what our thoughts are or maybe some positive things that, will be, that have come out of the IRA. So the first really big achievement of the IRA is that $369 billion was allocated for clean energy, which is a pretty big deal. And overall, there was $370 billion for climate spending. And the bill passed in the Senate, or wait, sorry, not the Senate, in the House, it looks like 220 to 207. And the bill includes language that could reduce prescription drug costs, Um, It narrows the ability for profitable companies to avoid taxes. And there was actually a new tax rate of 15% for companies that have at least a billion dollars in income, which is really interesting. And there's $20 billion for over a 10-year period for existing conservation programs. Um, The Conservation Stewardship Program, which will help farmers meet costs for implementing practices um, that are better for the environment. And over the next four years, um, the IRA will also add $3.5 billion annually to the CRP. There's $3.1 billion in relief for farmers whose agricultural operations are at a financial risk. Um, and $2.2 billion, which this was, uh, I know, in the news a little bit, $2.2 billion towards financial assistance for farmers who can show that they've experienced discrimination in the USDA lending programs. So this is a lot of um, minorities, um, BIPOC, that will qualify for this. And I believe that it was Senators um, Cory Booker and uh, Raphael Warnock who advocated for this part of the bill. Um, and then this is a big part of it, so... Don't worry, everybody, I'm almost done listing some things out, but it will also achieve hundreds of billions in deficit reduction, and it's projected to fall, the deficit, sorry, is projected to fall by more than $1.5 trillion this year, and it fell by about $350 billion last year. So even though we'll go into some of the negative aspects of the bill, there are some things that like are pretty important. Um, and then, story, I'll take a little pause so we can kind of debrief, but there's like two other little points I wanted to bring up as well about it. 
what are your thoughts on the bill and like do you think it's a positive thing a negative thing i yeah i think it's unambiguously positive it's uh i think it's i think it's the largest green energy bill in the in the u.s history yes so that's i mean that's a great thing um i was looking i saw something a while ago it was like uh the stocks for clean hydrogen companies which is like it's it's something that benefited a lot from this bill they went up by like 50 percent on just the announcement of the bill so um big benefits for clean energy um you know it's obviously you know smaller than i would have wanted it to be there's a few things that were left out that i think could have been in but overall it's like it's amazing i love it so much stuff um so much stuff for for clean energy for um for farmers for reducing prescription drug costs there was um the the couple two big things that i remember being taken out and i'm sure there were others also but was the elimination of a certain tax loophole called the carried interest loophole which i forget like i don't want to explain like the exact specifics because i kind of forget a lot of them but it was like it, it's something that benefits a lot of big companies that support senator christian cinema and she said yeah i'm not going to vote for this if you uh, take this loophole out so that provision got cut and then also a it was like a it was a 35 or 15 dollar price cap on um insulin uh for all um all i think there was there was some price cap for insulin funded by medicare but not for generally because the parliamentarian decided that was against the rules of the bill so that's very interesting uh but yeah, but overall, it's it's a it's really big, um, and it it uh, the Republicans don't even get to say that it's big government, you know, it's spending everything because it actually reduces the deficit. Um, the one point five trillion thing is probably not just because of this bill; it's because of other things also. But like the bill is going to have a, it's going to reduce the deficit for sure. Uh, two more things that were like kind of like a or interesting or cool, whatever you want to call it, that the bill also has in it is. 80 billion allocated to the IRS to carry out their duties because um, the IRS has said in the last few years that they don't, they're underfunded and they don't have enough money to carry out their duties. Um, So that's kind of interesting. And then also the affordable care act subsidy extension is until 2025, which is kind of a big deal because that will help a lot of Americans. Um, And obviously we know the affordable care act is not really a popular, um, topic with many people but i mean if it's gonna help people get what they need medically and within their health care i think that that's a good thing um and then the bad aspects of the bill that we'll kind of just run through story already mentioned actually one of them which i'll start with that one so uh senators cinema and mansion who are both democrats but um often will vote i think from what i've read with the republicans like they're a little bit more would you call them more conservative or like more like moderate? I don't know what to call them. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 sometimes called dinos, Democrats in name only. But I mean, they they do support Democrats on some issues, but yeah. uh, not as much on others. So those two, I know, like with the first or second one of the early drafts of the bill, they had certain provisions that they said they would not sign the bill under. Like there were, I don't, I was reading about it. If you want to look up more into the specifics, I definitely recommend um, the website wired and then if you just google it like the washington post has an article that's really good and um the white house actually also has a document that lists out like all the positive things that the um ira does in more detail but um 
though those two were like the two that were really hard to please with this bill i know and something that is interesting that you kind of already mentioned is that there was actually going to be a school lunch program implemented into the bill and it would have been about 656 million annually um and it would have helped provide free lunches for all students which is kind of a big deal because with covid you know coming not really to an end but becoming more of like a normal thing and life returning to normal as well as with inflation a lot of families are really struggling to buy groceries and to buy you know things that their kids need on a daily basis and there have been so many studies that have shown that if you have free lunches for all kids behavior problems will a lot of times like um, decrease as well as just overall academic performance like if kids get the nutrition that they need and they're you know not it sounds like a lot of the issue with like just giving it towards families that need it or quote-unquote low income is that a lot of times it really points those kids out it sounds like there's a little bit of like shaming that happens when it's known that kids are on like a fund assistance or do get free lunches like it sounds like there's some sort of like discrimination that does happen which is really unfortunate where if you say free lunches for all kids it puts kids on a more equal playing field and again allows kids to not be embarrassed to get their food and to get the nutrition that they need because it's for everybody and I know some people are going to listen to that and laugh at me but I personally think that that's a really big deal and that why and like here's the ironic part for me um so the um carried interest rule that you were talking about Senator Cinema cost the Treasury two times the amount it would have cost, so two times $656 million annually, um, by forcing negotiators to retain the carried interest rule, which is a perk for the super wealthy. And with that money, you could have been helping children get the nutrition that they need at school and do better in school. And it seems like, like you said, the people that, the big companies that support her she kind of favored over kids, which I personally don't love. But that's like one thing. Do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> Sorry, that was like kind of a long way to yeah, explain it. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, it's, yeah, the 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 carried interest loophole, basically nobody likes it. Even Trump doesn't like it. Um, like, yeah, it's been a, a bipartisan thing for a while to be opposed to that. Um, but obviously, like, no Republicans are going to vote for this anyway just to get rid of the carried interest loophole because they don't like the other stuff. But, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the school lunch program is – is th those are absolutely essential. You're you're absolutely right about all the benefits. Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't want to retread all that ground. But, yeah, it's – you know, even with those big cuts, I think it's still – I think it's still a great, great bill, and I'm glad it got passed. Mm -hmm. And then second, like, negative aspect of the bill – is that it also did not give enough attention to soil erosion prevention. Um, the bill gives $500 million to help gas stations uh, retrofit the pumps to allow fuel that contains 15% ethanol. And scientists have found, over a variety of studies, the push for ethanol likely increased greenhouse gas emissions and also just has a, which obviously then impacts soil erosion through climate change, um, which is kind of a big deal. So that was also really interesting. Um, and that's kind of more of a personal opinion. I was reading a couple of different viewpoints on that specific fact. And a lot of people who have um, degrees in science and STEM in general were saying that more that that was kind of disappointing just because of 
the fact that it's kind of contributing to greenhouse gas, which is what the bill is trying to reduce. So that's kind of interesting. And then the last thing is the Penn Wharton budget model, which is an independent group that conducts research on different parts of the economy. And they say that they have low confidence that the bill will actually impact inflation. And just to put that in perspective, this is an independent research group. So it's not like they're tied to one party or another. They're just doing research and using that and plugging in numbers and whatnot to make a fair assessment. And that's what they personally believe. But I know Story and I were talking about this before we started recording. So Story, do you want to share any of the thoughts that you were talking about? Yeah, um, it's the Inflation Reduction Act is kind of like it's kind of a ploy to like get uh, like Manchin on board. So it's like he doesn't want to be seen in West Virginia supporting the green energy bill. He wants to be seen supporting the Inflation Reduction Act, right? So, it, um, but like the bill is obviously its its main goal is not to reduce inflation. Um, its main goal is to to spend money on on the stuff that's spent money on uh, climate, uh, energy stuff like that. Um, it though it does reduce the the deficit the the tax provisions and the funding for the IRS that stuff will all give the government more money um, than what the bill calls for it to be spent um, and that hopefully um, in the long run will uh, have some impact on inflation um, will it be a big one probably not a huge one uh, if there even is one. Uh, but I, I, I still think, I still think it's a great act. The, I kind of laughed when I saw it's called the inflation reduction act. Cause it's, it's, it's pretty obviously like a, a, a thing to get mansion and, and, uh, that crowd on board. But yeah, I agree. Sorry. Last thing I'll say, I promise. Cause I talked a lot during that, but, um, when I was reading through the provisions of it, I was really confused by the name because again, before we recorded, I wanted to make sure I had some like good, just like descriptors of like what's in the bill for y'all. But I thought it was kind of an ironic title considering that it's not as much about that. So yeah, that's all. That's my last thoughts. Yeah. It's, it's not going to increase inflation though. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. Um, that's a, that's a common Republican talking point. Whenever the government passes a huge bill, they're like, Oh, it's going to cause inflation because the government's spending so much money. Um, and that it can have some impact on inflation, but this one is not going to, because it's actually, it's going to bring in more money than it spends. So yes. I agree. Should we transition into our last topic of our of today? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so the last topic is Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan. Nancy Pelosi, if you don't know, is the Speaker of the House, uh, which is a, a very high-ranking role in the U.S. government. It's, I believe, the, the third person in line for succession after the Vice President. Um, so her visit to Taiwan means means a lot. Um, she's also a, a senior official in Congress, which is really important because Congress is Congress has been the the main part of the U.S. government that has kept relations with Taiwan. Um, so it symbolizes uh, stronger connections between the U.S. Congress and Taiwan, which is which is a good thing, um, I think. Um, but it's kind of been controversial because China responded by conducting military drills off the coast of Taiwan. Um, where they essentially like did like practice firing um like near Taiwan as if to say to like kind of posture that they're going to invade. Um we talked about Taiwan a few episodes ago. Um if you want to go back into our backlog, you can you can find that. 
uh, we explain the history pretty in depth. Uh, well, not not super in depth, but like more in depth that we are here. So, yeah, I personally I think the the trip was a good idea. Uh, I think it's it's you know it obviously strengthens the U.S.'s commitment to defending Taiwan, which I think is important, and I think um, it lays the foundation for a bigger future. Uh, relations between the U.S. and Taiwan, which I think is also a good thing, um, because we we want to be, as we've seen with Ukraine, we want to be very steadfast against you know countries invading their neighbors. Yeah. See, as somebody who's not a huge Pelosi fan, um, I have to say, like, I thought her going there was kind of a cool like move in a way because there was a lot of threats in a way that the Chinese government was saying, like they were like. You know, like, this is your warning, don't come. And she went anyways and, you know, did her thing. So I do have, like, respect for her for that because I think that even though I do have an issue with, like, how much of a role sometimes that the U.S. does play in, like, world affairs, I think that also, um, like, we can't let other countries intimidate us or, like, threaten our officials or our people and I think that her doing that was still going and being like, whatever, was kind of cool. So I have respect for her for that. Yeah. I think, you know, uh, especially after the trip was announced, I think it's especially important to follow through on that. Because if she had, like, canceled the trip after they had threatened um, – well, I don't think that China didn't officially threaten her. But, like, I think some low-level state media official threatened to shoot her plane down. Um, but that was not, like, the official, like, Chinese government saying that. Uh, but I think it's the Chinese government did say that they didn't want her to come, but they didn't like threaten her like directly. But I think even so, it's especially important to to stick to it once you've announced it, because that would if she decided to to not go after announcing it, it would set the precedent that they could just that China could just threaten us and then we would back down. Um, which you know, as we as we've seen in Ukraine, that's that's not a precedent we want to set. Um, we want to show the world that that you know, China invading Taiwan would not be met uh, with open arms by the rest of the world. Um, and yeah, you know, the U.S. has has a lot of problems with its foreign policy. But I think, um, you know, one of the good things that we can do in foreign policy wise is defend countries that are being invaded by their neighbors. Um, and I think this is uh, an example of us doing that in Taiwan. Definitely. Yeah, it's I think it's hard a lot of times because I am, I like will say it straight up. Like I'm definitely a person who's not like, yes, we should be involved in everybody's business all the time. But I also think that there comes a point where it's really necessary because there are threats, like, especially like a country like Taiwan versus China, like that's a big difference in like population and probably like military strength. So I think that sometimes it is important to send the message like this is not okay. And it's not going to be met. Or it's not going to be brushed off like nothing if that if that does happen. So I think, again, as somebody who's more of like, I don't want to say an isolationist, but like doesn't think we should be sticking our nose in everybody's business constantly. Like, I think that was a good move on her part for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the. Yeah, Taiwan is Taiwan has been a big issue for a long time. Uh, China has basically made clear that they kind of want to invade but they're they're not doing it. So I think, you know, whatever we can within reason to, to make sure that doesn't happen is, is a good thing. Although now I think we're kind of running in circles. Um, any any other thoughts? 
No, honestly, I think you covered everything. And I feel like, again, even though this did happen a little while ago, I think it's still kind of cool to mention that she did do that. Because again, I, I'm going to say it again. I think it was a good move on her part. Since, you know, we, we've we gone a bit shorter than we expected to go, we're going to talk about a few other things. In um, first, an, an update from Ukraine. There was uh, a, a something in the news a while ago about a big nuclear plant in Ukraine, which was essentially the Russians were attacking near it, um, which like big explosions near a nuclear plant, not really a good sign. Um if that nuclear plant were to melt down, it would mean the destruction of a large portion of Ukraine and Russia. It's it's like I think the largest nuclear plant, at least in like Eastern Europe, maybe even in all of Europe. It was it was a huge, huge plant um, that the Russians basically were talking near. And then they blamed Ukraine for saying um, that they were like bringing war to it when it was literally the Russians that were like attacking it. So classic Russia. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, uh, what do you think? I mean, I think I have like a question is, I don't know if you heard about this and just for our listeners too, New York City or New York in general, the state made some type of nuclear response video that they released to the public that was like what to do in the case of a nuclear attack. And so my question is, if that nuclear factory was impacted, because I was reading some stuff that was saying like, it could explode or go, I don't, I'm going to be honest here, guys. I don't really understand how nuclear weapons work fully. I'm trying my best to like explain what I'm trying to ask, but, um, wasn't, is like, is it true that that would only impact like Russia, Ukraine and like Eastern European countries, not like the U S or anything, if that was somehow to go off or whatever it does. Yeah. Yeah. It, it probably would not impact the U S. Um, it, I don't. I don't think it would even get too far into Western Europe. It would. It would mainly be like the that Eastern Europe area. Um, but yeah, it would be devastating for that area, though. Oh yeah, I mean, it would be absolutely awful if that did happen. Um, but I just keep seeing it in the news, so I was just really curious, like what was going on. So thank you for, like, explaining that because I was like kind of confused with it all. So thank you. Um. Yeah. Is there any other else? Yeah, I mean, elsewhere in Ukraine, um, the war is actually going pretty well for Ukrainians. Um, their military is actually confident enough that they've started um, attacking targets in Crimea, which has been held by Russia since 2014, which um, you know tells me that they're very confident in what they're doing. Um, that they don't think they're going to to lose the war. Um, it's. They're they're taking back a lot of territory. Um, it's 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 going really positively for for Ukraine, um, and Russia Russia you know is not backing down, but they're not exactly winning either. So for all of our listeners who tuned in last week for Story and I talking about President Biden's visit to the Middle East, um, you might have heard us discussing. Saudi Arabia a lot specifically because of its influence and just because of the really 
interesting relationship we have with them. But I think it's really interesting because I don't know if anybody saw this, but this week, Saudi Arabia sentenced Salma al-Shahab, who is 34 years old, to 34 years in prison and a 34-year travel ban for sharing and following um, activists on her personal Twitter and for retweeting tweets that I believe were semi... I have to look into it specifically, but from what I've gathered from stuff I've read, semi like anti-Saudi. And I thought that was really interesting and kind of proves the point we were talking about last week with how much Saudi Arabia um, infringes on human rights and a lot of essential things like freedom of speech. Because I don't see how someone retweeting stuff on their personal Twitter account is like threatening to this government at all. Like... This is a government that wouldn't let women drive until a few years ago. So I just thought that was worth mentioning as like a follow-up from our episode last week. So, Yeah, definitely. Uh, you all also need to go listen to that, that episode from last week. It does, it does not have nearly enough plays, um, and it's really good. We talk about, in, in only like 15 minutes, we talk about so much stuff relating to, to uh, Saudi Arabia, which is really a, a key foreign policy issue. So definitely go listen to that episode. Yes, I agree. And I, I mean, I think last thing I want to say, I promise, is I think what's really scary about that news, in my opinion, is um, just like, what does that say about what else they, they're going to do? Like, what else are they going to charge people for? Specifically women. I mean, that's really scary to me that they're going to go out of their way to charge someone for like retweeting tweets on their own Twitter. And... Um, yeah, I don't think you'll be catching me ever visiting that country, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I just, I would also like to say that, like, people really like to use this, like, generalization when talking about the Middle East, about how, like, oh, like, the Middle East is, like, violent, like, they, like, don't upkeep people's rights, and, like, they don't respect, you know, people's rights in general, you know, they use their religion, like, I talked about this last week, to, like, control things, and it's, like, no, it, that's not true, like, they have so many just corrupt governments there, unfortunately. Like, I'm, my family's from Lebanon, and our government sucks there. Like, it's the worst. We don't, we do not like the government. And I think it's sad because it makes people, specifically Americans, to, like, not want to go visit there. And, like, our culture is so beautiful. So I would say, like, if you're listening to this and, like, you kind of have that, like, background bias, like, please don't, like, let them make you fall for it. Like, that's not how everybody there is. A lot of the people there are incredible, normal people with amazing stories and like love teaching people about our culture so I just want to make sure I say that too because I feel like when I talk negatively like in the news about the Middle East it always makes me really sad because I wish that we had like more like cool exciting things in our news instead of stuff like that yeah I I totally understand and also a lot of people in those countries really dislike their governments also yes (laughs) um there are major protest movements all the time against uh against these authoritarian governments so yeah it's you know it's bad but it it doesn't reflect on everyone there oh absolutely i agree and like i'm gonna do some self-promo here (laughs) um if people are like interested in learning more like i have a tiktok account it's called voice of mena and i talk a lot about things going on there i honestly i'm gonna be fully honest i haven't posted on there in a while but there's been a lot of things happening there lately that i'm definitely gonna make some videos talking about because it is exhausting to talk about these things because it's like, it just feels like it never ends. But also I think it's important to like call out these things that are wrong that are happening. So people also just like are aware of them. And 
Ja. Yeah. Absolutely. Any um any final thoughts for this episode? I I don't think so, but I just want to say this was such a fun conversation. So thank you so much, Story. Yeah, thank you. All right. Um thank you all for tuning in. Hopefully the next episode we'll have Sam back on again. Yes, Sam, we miss um, you. <laughs> all right. Thank you all for tuning in. And on that note, sunset out.